Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Thugs Like Joe and Hunter, this Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Now, when British drama Line of Duty concluded, record numbers watched to see how its fight against organized crime would end. But many viewers were left disappointed when the finale implied that evil would ultimately win. I wanted the bad guys brought to justice, one fan said. We need that moral ending. Sociologist Peter Berger once noted that we hunger for hope and justice. Hope that evil will one day be overcome and that those who cause it will be made to face their crimes. A world where the bad guy wins goes against how we know the world should work. Without probably realizing it, those disappointed fans were expressing humanity's deep longing for the world to be made right again. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is realistic about evil. It exists not only between us, requiring forgiveness, but on a grand scale requiring deliverance. This realism, however, is matched with hope. There is a place where evil doesn't exist, and that is heaven. And that heavenly kingdom is coming to earth. One day God's justice will be complete. His moral ending will come, and evil will be banished for good. So when the real-life bad guys win and disappointment sets in, let's remember this. Until God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, there is always hope because the story isn't over. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And boy, well, talk about a fitting inspiration and prayer for the lineup of stories I've got for the listeners today, man. That's good. Well, there's a lot of stories out there where we're actually starting to see some justice being done, but unfortunately, we, we don't know if there's ever going to be any real convictions, lots of information and evidence to show that, you know, these dastardly deeds that are done by immoral men, obviously there should be some justice, but all I see is news articles. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of the old ACDC song, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Well, except, <laughs> right, right. Except for, you know, it's it's done dirt cheap because it's uh, it's only cheap because it's subsidized by the taxpayer. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's the only reason why the dirty deeds point. are cheap is because we're subsidizing it at this point. Yep, you betcha. It's just kind of like, you know, in yesterday's show talking about the omnibus bill where they were basically helping the drug cartels move people into the country yeah absolutely man as a matter of fact you know all of the talking heads across the united states and across the globe for that matter ladies and gentlemen are saying that you know the people that are getting rich during this immigration uh, border crisis that we've got going on right now are the drug cartels well the drug cartels and of course also you know there's some nonprofits that are profiting greatly yep. by helping the government uh, process people. Yep. That I mean, is for you, sure. You start seeing all of these, you know, the homeless encampments. We talk about the homeless industrial complex here in our region. Man, the stuff going on down at the border, the homeless industrial complex down there is growing to where their municipal budgets near the border are being strained because of how much money is being dumped into these organizations to house people uh, almost standing room only in shelters as they continue to add more and more shelters for these displaced individuals that actually were placed in our country by 
Border Patrol. Yeah, you bet. And you know, it's really funny to see a lot of these large population blue states right now. The governors, the mayors, you know, like the mayor of New York right now, Eric Adams, he's just whining and crying because of the busloads of immigrants that are showing up. He has now put his foot down and says, hey, look, you know, our American citizens are going to end up getting shortchanged because we now have to deal with illegal immigrants. That's right. Yeah. You know, so they're going to be uh, reallocating funds that are there in their welfare programs or safety net programs, uh, their homeless programs. You know, I am sitting on an article right. right now where illegal immigrants are now displacing homeless individuals in our homeless shelters. Right. Exactly. It's, it's just nuts right now. Well, it's just like the situation where, you know, here in Washington state, you know, basically the federal government has given the green light to give federally, you know, subsidized welfare program monies to illegal aliens. Exactly, man. Exactly. And we just got done covering that in the last week or so, you know? Anyway, hailing out of the New York Post, folks, here's your headline. Evidence now shows FBI, Biden campaign, and Twitter worked together to suppress the Hunter story. And that was a big thing, too, with the omnibus bill that we talked about yesterday, is that the FBI got a huge raise. Oh, my goodness. A huge bunch of money, hundreds of millions of dollars going not just to a new FBI training facility, and I'm sure that's FBI training facility to, you know, further embed itself into big tech, Mm. probably, you know, FBI money to train those individuals how they can influence an election by, I don't know, kidnapping governors and things like that. (laughs) Uh, You know, maybe uh, inciting insurrections as an FBI agent. I can see the training manual now. You know, there's you got to have the horn hat guy. You've got to have the characters here. Then you got to have the fencing. Then you got to have the, you know, reduced uh, security so you can just let people in. And then, you know, then you spend the next few years, you need more money in your budget to investigate Americans who were just kind of staring at the sky wondering what was going on right <laughs> so uh, you know there there are those things you know and then you got to have more funding for like the january 6th commission and the fbi's collusion with entities that want to politically use stupid things for years yeah and do you know more and more investigations on americans that are law-abiding citizens so that you know they can justify their existence the fbi actually should just be disbanded at this point but it, it's not going to be under this congress they're giving them more money so that they can, uh, I don't know, help out Hunter Biden. <laughs> there you go. Now, members of the intelligence community and censors at Twitter stressed that they didn't know the Hunter Biden laptop was real. So they erred on the side of caution. It has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation, the infamous letter from 50 former officials said. Now we know that that was a bald-faced lie. The FBI already had Hunter's laptop. It was handed over to them by the owner of a Delaware repair shop, the same man who had provided it to the Post nearly a year later. It's also increasingly obvious that the FBI had a heads up that the information was about to be published. The Twitter files show how Yoel Roth, the platform's head of trust and safety, was briefed by the FBI about possible misinformation that Hunter's name was specifically brought up. The latest bombshell released Monday by journalist Michael Schellenberger shows an intriguing timeline. The Post calls Hunter Biden's lawyer for comment the day before the publication. The lawyer calls John Paul Mack, Isaac, the computer repairman, side note on this, for all of those who accused the Post of not doing due diligence on the laptop, we never provided the lawyer with Mack Isaac's name, told that we had Hunter's laptop. 
He knew which repair shop to call, which provided another level of confirmation. Also, Hunter and the Biden campaign never denied the laptop was his. They just disparaged how we got it. A little more than two hours after the lawyer's phone call to Mac Isaac, FBI Special Agent Elvis Chan sends 10 documents to Twitter's then head of site integrity, Yoel Roth, through Teleporter, a one-way communications channel from the FBI to Twitter. Schellenberg writes, what's in those documents? We don't know. (laughs) But they had them. And... The FBI has a direct communications channel to Twitter known as Teleporter. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. The Post publishes the first Hunter Biden story the next day, and Twitter moves almost immediately to ban us. It's impossible to believe that Chan and other officials in the FBI, not to mention the still well-connected former intelligence operatives who signed that letter, didn't know that Hunter Biden's files were already in the wild and that they knew they weren't hacked or made up. The Twitter files show how Yoel Roth was briefed by the FBI about possible misinformation and that Hunter Biden's name was specifically brought up by Reuters. Knowing that eventually the information would leak, experts spent months prepping for how to suppress it. Schellenberger notes that in September of 2020, a month before the Post broke the news, Roth participated in an Aspen Institute tabletop exercise on a potential hack and dump operation. The example they came up with, Hunter Biden. (laughs) How convenient. They outlined a fake scenario where Burisma documents were leaked online, outlining payments to the former vice president's son. What? That ain't a fake scenario. That actually happened. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And, and, you know, we're spending too much time investigating the insurrection. We're not investigating, uh, you know, things happening uh, across the globe tied to, uh, you know, oligarchs that are in power. Well, not just in other countries, but here. Yeah. So, of course, when legitimate news about Hunter Biden did break, Roth was already doubting everything. What the Twitter files show is not caution, but a coordinated effort between the Biden campaign and the FBI to cast aspersions and limit the reach of a story damning to Joe. Republicans have promised an investigation when they take control of the House, and we will welcome more transparency. Our suggestion for first witness chan and roth what was in those 10 files what did chan already know about the hunter biden laptop and what did he tell twitter perhaps then the rest of the press will decide that collusion between the fbi a political campaign and a social media company is worthy of coverage man oh man that's a good one that is a good opinion piece there by the new york post editorial board for sure next story that i wanted to go ahead and talk about here that basically complements that is it headlined as such soros funded nonprofit played key role in twitter's preparation for dealing with hunter biden's story according to documents Oh, and this is, uh, I would say that that headline should read, and more, how should they have said it? Something having to do with manipulating the 2022 election. Election. That hasn't been connected yet, but it's got to be somewhere down the line. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you control the flow of information and what citizens get to know, you can, you know, affect the outcomes of elections. I mean, if, if, Citizens think the economy is doing really great and the news is telling them, you know, that 
there's no recession coming and that, you know, all the people in Congress that should be investigated for, I don't know, colluding with a scammer that took millions and millions and millions of dollars from investors, you know, through things like FTX. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, bet. you know, I think that. that and it's those- really interesting the way that is unrolling right now, because apparently his former girlfriend who everybody suspected was on the lam. Well, she was right. She was helping run, what, that Alameda? Yeah, Alameda Research uh, Organization. You bet. And she is basically uh, entered into some kind of a plea deal. Right. Well, she's she's going to testify against him. Yeah, she's going to testify against him. Well, I guess he should have probably had more of a, a monogamous relationship. <laughs> Something, man. So, because because I apparently he had several different sexual relationships over there, and where were they hanging out? The Bahamas. The Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah the Bahama Mamas that he had. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, one of the people that he was having relationship with has uh, has turned tail, if you will, and decided to testify against him because she doesn't want to do the time in prison because she helped launder a bunch of that money. Yeah, no kidding, man. $250 million fine is going to yeah, be yeah. part of that plea deal. But there well, again, and, yeah. I mean, if you're sitting on billions as yeah. a fraudster. Well, and, and they should probably face charges having to do with, you know, changing the outcome of the election. He was the second largest donor in political organizations and campaigns right next to George Soros. So they obviously affected the outcome of the election. So we're going to cover the rest of that article after we take a quick break. We'll be right back. To our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 1474, located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane, you gotta be there or be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487-3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487-3784. A lot of your beef comes from Brazil, Africa, and China. Bet you didn't know that. The Spokane County cattlemen know that, and they are the ones advocating for country of origin labeling on the meat that we buy and feed to our families. Find them on Facebook right now. That burger you just got at your favorite drive-thru has over a thousand different DNAs in it. Well, you may want to consider buying from local producers, and in other words, folks, buy locally. The Spokane County Cattlemen are on Facebook and are there to advocate for you, educate and inform you on what's happening in the global and local meat industry. With today's Corona-controlled society, the shopping restrictions and possible rationing, making sure that your family doesn't experience food insecurities should be our top priority. You can do your part. Be secure. Buy from local growers and producers. The Spokane County Cattlemen know this and are here to help you. Find them on Facebook right now. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining Mike and Tim on Thugs Like Joe and Hunter. This Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Okay, so again, what was that titled headline? Okay, headline. Soros-funded nonprofit played key role in Twitter's preparation for dealing with Hunter Biden's story, according to documents. So Soros was the number one funder. I'm wondering if that, what is it, Bankman? Bankman Freed. uh, Fraud, yeah, Bankman (laughs) Fraud. Yeah, I wonder if he was also a donor. Well, of course he was. 
Of course, man. I've, we've already established that. Yeah. He's given up, you know, tens of millions of dollars to the DNC. Democrat organization. Uh, you know, another $5 million to Joe Biden himself. And, of course, Joe still hasn't answered the question as to whether or not he's going to give that $5 million back. Or whether, oh, yeah, to the investors that lost their money that were lied to about the actual value yeah, of, of some of those things they were buying investments in. Well, here you go, man. Here is a good illustration of George Soros and his one of his 253 media organizations that he has a good influence over. This one is called First Draft News. Okay, that's the organization. First Draft News, a now defunct nonprofit that left-wing billionaire George Soros, Open Society Foundation funded, played a key role in Twitter's preparation to shut down the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020, according to internal documents published by author Michael Schellenberger as part of Elon Musk's Twitter files. The Aspen Institute hosted a September 2020 training exercise for members of the media and social media leaders regarding the handling of hypothetical data leaks, which were similar to the Hunter Biden laptop report that broke in October, according to Schellenberger. Claire Wardell, former executive director and co-founder of First Draft News, appeared to be an attendee of the exercise, according to an email published by Schellenberger. The address that apparently belonged to Wardell was one of multiple recipients in an email to top national security reporters, Facebook's head of security policy, and others, according to Schellenberger. The Open Society Foundation, which left-wing megadonor Soros chairs, once funded First Draft News, the organization shut down in June. Today, we are announcing that First Draft is closing its doors to make way for the next chapter. Its mission will continue at the newly launched Information Futures Lab, an initiative from Brown School of Public Health, an announcement from Wardell Reads. The Aspen Institute training exercise titled The Burisma Leak involved a series of hypothetical leaks during October of 2020, showing that Hunter Biden had made more money in his role at Burisma than previously disclosed and had communicated with his father about his work there. The exercise was meant to shape how the media covered the eventual leak of the Hunter Biden laptop story and the way social media platforms carried it. The Aspen Institute, a left-leaning think tank funded by massive philanthropic organizations including the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation, runs the Commission on Information Disorder, an anti-disinformation project that's drawn ire from conservatives for its alleged far-left partisanship. The commission has urged social media platforms to censor accounts it considers misinformation superspreaders through demonization. The removal of what it considers inaccurate posts and penalties for offending users. Now, the New York Post story appeared to reveal that Hunter Biden introduced his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive from a Ukrainian energy firm known as Burisma. Less than a year later, the elder Biden reportedly pressured Ukrainian government to fire a prosecutor who was investigating the firm. Most mainstream news outlets refused to report on the story prior to the election, and Twitter and Facebook both suppressed the story. Man, oh man! Yep, that is just story. like out there now. Well, the, the and the media was too demon. They spent all this time demonizing Trump, and and to tell you the truth, I think there was way too much focus 
on the president during the Trump administration. And we weren't paying attention to what Congress was doing. We weren't paying attention to what these bureaucracies were doing. And they certainly run amok having to do with organizations. Obviously, we remember back in the day where nonprofits that were, you know, conservative leaning were barred from getting their nonprofit statuses, right? Right, So there's been all these blockages having to do with, you know, collusion between uh, government and organizations or government and corporations and government bureaucracies to silence conservative leaning voices, if you will, whether it's on social media or organizationally. And then, of course, you have the, the direct funding of leftist organizations. And then you also have supports given to uh, media groups that are, you know, like the FBI telling people what to report and what not to report. They're going to fill their newspapers if they can't talk badly about Democrats and Democrats, uh, you know, crime families, then what are they going to do? They've got to find something to report and they're being told report on January 6th. Right. Right. So that's what we saw. And, And of course it influenced the election. Of course it did. You bet. All right, folks, this next story is going to make a few folks out there in listener land smile. Here's your headline. Meta and Alphabet lose dominance over U.S. digital ads market. Long-held duopoly that rules the $300 billion market is hit with growing competition. When we say Meta, or Meta, if you will, that is Facebook, ladies and gentlemen. So Meta and Facebook are one and the same. Now, Meta and Alphabet have lost their dominance over the digital advertising market. They have ruled for years as the duopoly is hit fast by fast-growing competition from rivals like Amazon, TikTok, Microsoft, and Apple. The shares of U.S. ad revenue held by Facebook's parent Meta and Google owner Alphabet is projected to fall by 2.5 percentage points to 48.4% this year, the first time the two groups will not hold a majority share in the market since 2014, according to a research group, Insider Intelligence. Now, you know, I think things that are very helpful in making sure that both Meta slash Facebook and Google slash Alphabet continue to lose their dominance over the digital ad market is the fact that these guys continue to violate privacy. And as a result, they are garnering these huge hundreds of millions of dollars of lawsuits, man. And right now, you know, Facebook is looking at $725 million for the latest faux pas against you know, people's privacy. Well, the problem is, is that the people's the privacy that was violated aren't going to see a penny. It's all just going to go into state government coffers that have filed these lawsuits. And while these states are bringing in money from those organizations, you know, looking at a uh, getting their article from the, the local spokesman review, you know, front page even, I think it was on, you know, Monday or two Mondays ago, where WashDOT takes to TikTok. And they were talking about the uh, Betty Whiteout. And, of course, it was license plate cover. There's a Betty White, basically, Betty Whiteout. It's, it's snow plowing. Yeah, snow so, plowing. So we're spending transportation dollars on social media, a social media corporation owned by the Communist Chinese, Chinese. Party yeah. in Washington. Yeah. What does that have to do with plowing streets and highways? It doesn't have anything to do with that. Don't, and as don't a matter advertise of fact, the plowing on TikTok just maintain the plows yeah and you know i just got done looking at a social media post here a day or so ago with regard to plowy mcplow plow ended up getting rear-ended by somebody plowy mcplow plow yeah 
That's one of the, that's the name of one of the plows that they got up on Snoqualmie Pass. Oh, they, okay. You know, Washington State actually called for some kind of a snow plow naming contest. Oh, and right, right. Snowy, you know, McPlow Plow ended up getting, right. so how know, much, give how, me a break. So how much money, we look at back when America became great, and we look at where we're going now with, uh, you know, the government stealing 60% of our income and using only portions of it for what government's actually supposed to be doing, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like plow the roads, don't market the plowing of the roads. We don't need to know that there's snow plows and not snow plows. We know where there's not snow plows because the roads haven't been plowed. That's right. We, we know that they got rid of snow plow truck drivers because of COVID because there was lots of areas that didn't get plowed that year and some that are still not getting plowed adequately because they're still short plow truck drivers because of the, the tyrants hiring practices having to do with vaccinations, right? Yeah. And so- you know, they're doing this marketing campaign on TikTok. They're doing it on, you know, your local news stations where they're promoting truck, you know, semi-truck plows, right? Dump truck plows, naming contests. They're paying people inside of WashDOT to do this PR campaign stuff. How much money are we spending doing that? And so just the naming game, right? <laughs> to, yes. to, to name Mr. McPlow Plow and Betty Whiteout, right, these these plows. If we're going to spend money talking about plowing roads, we should be giving kudos to those plow truck drivers that wake up at 2 in the morning, go defrost their trucks, they go break up the frozen sand, they load their trucks with sand so that they can go out and keep our highways safe. We should be, you know, if we're going to honor something, it shouldn't be some, you know, dead actress or is she dead yet yeah she did yeah yeah and, and then and then maybe make up names for plows what are they gonna buy little, those little bobbly eyes for the plow and put it on the front of the plow so how much are we paying for these bureaucrats to- <laughs> hang on jim i gotta finish this yes as a matter of fact they had photographs of mcplow plow Oh, okay. Oh, so, yeah. With the, yes. And he did have the, the bobble eyes. Yes, he had the, the bobble eyes. Yes. Unreal. So so the stupidity of that. God, we are, as a government, we are so wastefully spending money. It's not funny. Just throwing it oh, away. Oh, my goodness. And, and you look at those naming projects and the, and the bobbly eyes. Like, apparently, that, I was just thinking that that would be something stupid to do. <laughs> and I didn't it is. realize they actually and they did, did it. it. Okay, well, I, I didn't see that they actually did it. Now I'm even more disgusted. But, you know, so you spent that money. They could. How many plows and plow truck drivers could they have paid to make our roads safer instead of doing that? Well, for that matter, man, how many plow gates do they still have on the city of Spokane's plows? Because I'm telling right. you what, man, one of the last things we did before we got out of office, we made sure that we had plow gates on our plows. Right. Where have those plow gates been? Well, they're, in some places man, I see when they're they came using and them. Finally, when they finally plowed my residential street adjacent to Gonzaga Prep, right. I mean, we had berms on both sides of the street. Everybody got plowed in. Well, you know, unfortunately, they got to put the snow somewhere. I know that the, <laughs> having those gates, uh, you know, it's not new technology. It, it was, a, you know, obviously something that's we used to do back in the right. 80s and the 90s right. better than we're doing it now. Yeah, and you but know, it's because we're too busy. We're not spending time focusing on how do we serve citizens and do a better job at fundamental things that are the role of government. We're too busy promoting 
McPlow Plow and Betty Whiteout <laughs> on social media. We're spending money on media. We're spending money on local media to promote the job that they're supposed to be doing right. instead of doing the job. Right. So they could Big have hired time. more people. If they want to honor people, honor people that are actually doing the job, not made up characters. Right. And you don't betcha. do it on social media. Just do it on the roadways. We see it. Right. You bet. And, you know, since we did bring up, you know, the snow plows and the berms on both sides of the street, folks, do your block residents a huge, huge favor. If you live in a residential area and you got all that snow piled up over your drain. Okay, your sewer drain, please do what you can to remove the ice and snow from that sewer drain because through the week we're going to have warm temperatures. Well, we already do, right? And so you see that those big melt-offs and you wonder why things are getting flooded and it's those drains are clogged and a lot of them are still clogged from the the fall leaves. Yeah, big time. Anyway, I'm going to finish up this story here real quick and then we're out the door, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this will mark the fifth consecutive annual decline for the dual whose share of the market has fallen from a peak of 54.7% in 2017 and is forecasted to decline to 43.9% by 2024. Worldwide, Meta and Alphabet share declined one percentage point to 49.5% this year. And I'm telling you, I mean, we're talking, what, three, $400 million worth of digital ad revenue is what we're talking about here in that 1%, ladies and gentlemen. I'm heartbroken. So that ought to give people a real, real good idea of what kind of money we are talking about on an annual basis for all of this digital advertising and marketing, et cetera. All of that being said, Mike and Tim are out of here today. We'll be back at you in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.